From all reports, the HVAC industry has finally got its head around big data. But what does big data, a digital innovation you may remember from the middle of this decade, have to do with the built environment, which is a very analog space? And what does it matter to the humans who occupy it? Hello and welcome to episode two of Era on Air. I'm your host, Mark Spencer, and we're speaking to three leaders in the field of data analytics, the business of using big data for tangible effects, representing leading firms from Australia and overseas. If you like what you hear and want to learn more, check out the cover article of Ecolibrium for November, Era's industry journal. Just hit the link in the show notes, helpfully located just to scroll or swipe away wherever you're listening. So let's get into it. Let's talk what big data is actually doing in the built world and why it's not just a faddish buzzword. Not anymore. First of all, it's important to know straight off the bat a pretty big difference between the popular understanding of big data and what we're talking about in the context of the built environment is that this isn't data created by people. It's not search results or browsing histories, medical records, or guilty pleasures on Spotify. This is air pressure hours of operation on VAV boxes, all the myriad sensors that live within our buildings, quietly feeding information back to building information modeling systems, acting as silent witnesses that everything is working as intended or not. Big data within the built environment is largely dealing with the same data we've always had in buildings. Buzzword at the moment is big data and data-driven maintenance. We would always drive maintenance through data. It's just where we're doing it slightly different now. We can analyse larger volumes of data easier, quicker, and then rectify more things on site. Instead of wasting time finding those issues and manually analysing information, we can do that automated. That's the voice of Chris Tomatis, one of our experts. More from him soon. But it is the ability to predict and to fix issues proactively that the big data revolution has brought to the built world. And yes, I said big data revolution, and I apologize for sounding like a Wired magazine cover from the early 2010s, or as Wired put it in 2014, big data, big hype, which is surprisingly negative. There's actually been somewhat of a backlash to big data. The pushback really started after a well-intentioned project by Google to use big data to track the spread of the flu in 2008. What takes the Centers for Disease Control weeks to analyze every year, Google Flu Trends was doing in days through analyzing search results. Millions of search results. And things started off well. The GFT project tracked against the CDC's numbers to within 90% accuracy. Over the five years of the project, however, when researchers from Harvard and Northeastern University went back and rechecked, they found a nosedive in accuracy. In the last two years, the GFT overestimated cases in 100 of 108 weeks. And in February 2013, that overestimate was double the actual cases. Headlines soon followed. Big data, are we making a big mistake from the Financial Times? Eight, no, nine problems with big data from the New York Times. The arguments being made against big data boil down to what's called big data hubris in which organizations and companies are misunderstanding analysis or giving too much weight to flawed big data analytics. So are our experts making these mistakes when using big data? Not for tracking the flu, but for making a better built world. Let's start with where big data in buildings was, around the time of the Google backlash. Three years ago, there was still big data. You know, BIM was still around three years ago and submetering, all big data. 
I think the fault detection side of things or the automated fault detection has really come into light in the last 18 months. And that's because you know, the data's been on site. We're just saying, hey, here's, here's a better way to use it. That was Chris Stamatis, the Australian licensee of Copper Tree Analytics, a big data analytics company from Canada. Equipment is getting smarter, but at the end of the day, we're still just sensing temperatures and valve positions and and pressures. So I don't think the systems are necessarily getting smarter. I think we're getting smarter about how we deal with those systems, how we're dealing with that information. If we can automate that analytical process, then all of a sudden we can analyse 200 air handling units in five seconds instead of having a technician on site to analyse that data in two days. And we can see here the scale of time savings available through this type of analysis. Checking 200 air handling units. Yeah, you could do that. I could do that. Yeah, if someone taught me how. But in five seconds? Yeah, never gonna happen. But how common is needing to do that many checks? Typically bare bones maintenance by the BMS contractors. So they come in every quarter, every month. They come in, cast their eyes over the system really quickly, do a small maintenance and then get out. Where we see the biggest value is through the use of big data and algorithms. The people on site don't waste time looking for issues. They can get to site, the system spits out a number of issues, and then they can just rectify from there. So we're seeing better outcomes at the end of the DLP. So the client gets a better building handed over to them at the end of the project. Yeah, I'm starting to see how in each building, there's scheduled checks happening for every piece of equipment. And that can be dozens hundreds of pieces of HVAC gear. Multiply that by every building across a city, across a country. Yeah, that's a lot of technicians' time, not even fixing problems, but looking for them. So instead of spending time looking for issues, the system is doing that for you, generating all these insights that you can then go rectify. Just quickly though, Chris mentioned a DLP there. Now, I'm no HVAC expert, so let's hear what a DLP is. So the DLP is the defects and liability period of the building. So it's a 12-month or 24-month period to basically rectify any issues from the initial install. So like a warranty on a building? Yeah. Where it comes into its own as well is a lot of the time now we're seeing DLP tuning activities. So throughout that 12 months or 24 months, the BMS contractor and mechanical contractor and commissioning agents and energy consultants all kind of get into a room together and tune up the building as well. So they're trying to improve that energy efficiency of the building. Using big data to track changes and monitor how things are performing is really valuable. Great. Well, I learned something new there. But let's ask Chris this, if big data is so useful in monitoring building performance and in being able to spend time fixing issues instead of looking for them, just how common has it become in the built environment? I would say all new builds are incorporating big data at some point, whether or not that's analytics or BIM or you know energy modeling, that kind of stuff. It, it's all big data at the end of the day. Big data is used right from the very beginning, the design stages from the engineering team, you know, the architects, all of that information kind of gets fed back into a central model And then there's like clash detection. So they can start to tell if things are going to fail together on site or if there's going to be problems before it's even built. And that information can then be used by the builders. So they can prefab parts of the building off site and then truck them to site and build basically in big Lego blocks. Wow. So really big data has affected not only how we're managing performance in buildings, but also how we're maintaining them and even building them. But what about how we use them? 
and how us analog, messy, biological creatures use these spaces. What's Big Data doing about us? So behaviour is really just about, we all learn through signals, and we can also learn through observation of other things that are successful. Boiling it down to very clear signals for people can then motivate action and learning, and we get on a virtuous cycle. That's Craig. Craig Rusak. I'm the CEO of Buildings Alive. And he joined us from his office in Darlinghurst, Sydney. Certainly at Buildings Alive, what we're trying to do is reduce the complexity and the mass of data down to very clear messages, like, is something running well or poorly? Did the thing that you did yesterday achieve success or failure? Is the performance good or bad? You know, very simple things that can help people make management decisions. I think that's the challenge, and that's a great opportunity, right? And Craig focuses a lot on the human aspects of using big data in the built environment. If we start from the standpoint that people who operate buildings are intrinsically or fundamentally motivated to run the building well, when you dig beneath the surface, you'll always find reasons for people's behaviour and choices that they make. And I think one of the great opportunities here is to, to essentially empower people to be more effective. So if you're running a large, complicated building and you're under a lot of time pressure and all sorts of demands, um, there's only so much time you can focus on energy and in performance of your building. And if to manage it well, you need to be spending a heap of time or have a heap of expertise or something, it might just simply be unrealistic. And so one of the great opportunities here is to capture that raw data and then have a machine do the heavy lifting if you like, to form judgments about what's successful and unsuccessful. Feed that information to the person operating the building. What you do there is you potentially can save them time. They get the opportunity to explore through cause and effect. Then they might be motivated to try things. Feedback tells them it was successful. Well, then they've got reinforcement. And and with behaviour, you're basically talking about positive reinforcement. So big data can be a really effective tool for managing a building. But like any tool, it needs to be used, and to be used by a good actor. Craig's look at behavior was really refreshing when talking about two fields that can start to seem pretty dry, academic, and somewhat theoretical. Big data and building management. But at the end of the day, we're all still people who use these spaces. And when there's humans involved, you better be thinking about trying to encourage good behavior. But improving behavior, vital as it is, isn't the sexy stuff we were excited about for big data earlier in the decade. We wanted techno fixes and glitzy headlines. Well, we're not going to disappoint. If this is all sounding so far quite understandable and manageable and limited in scope to within the context of a building, let's go a little bigger, shall we? So scalable analytics essentially um, evolved out of the requirement for big portfolio owners globally to be able to manage their buildings across states and territories within a country and then across multiple countries within a region. There was a requirement for those types of portfolio owners to understand how all of their buildings are performing and how they can be benchmarked against one another can give you some really interesting energy metrics when you start doing that type of benchmarking across regions. That's our second Chris of the episode. Chris King, Business Development at Invisi. And Invisi does work all around the world. It started off actually as a um, carbon emissions reporting system called uh, Carbon Systems. Did what it said on the packet, reported carbon. Then a couple of changes of government 
and the repeal of the carbon tax, the company pivoted into the world of energy management, which at the time was gaining a lot more focus from executives because energy prices had doubled within the space of a couple of years, helped their existing clients move into the world of energy management and make active inroads into energy reduction. And now they do a lot of work in what's called scalable analytics, or basically big, big data for buildings. Rather than just looking at the data for one building, Scalable Analytics combines data for dozens and sometimes hundreds of buildings and makes some sense of that mountain of information. Scalable Analytics is really to do with, one, having a flexible platform that can operate in multi-regions. So we've got different currencies and different energy conversion emissions factors from India and all that stuff into it, but also local partners on the ground in those regions that can help support you as well. Even in Australia, like forgetting internationally for a second, scalable analytics is still really relevant because if you've got a portfolio of say 60 buildings, over here, there's still a requirement to run behind the meter analytics across the portfolio. So if you pick company A to do a couple of buildings and company B to do another and company C to do another, you've got like three different suppliers operating within your portfolio. So if you just wanted to look at a rolled up or bird's eye view of all those buildings, you'd have to go to three different companies to get it. If you are finding everything up until now pretty easy to grasp, but you're after a challenge, have no fear. There's a bigger fish out there and it's scalable analytics. But that really deserves its own episode. Because of ERA's commitment to sustainability, I did manage to get an insight into how big data can be applied to energy efficiency, not just for the bottom line, through the identification of power loss through faults, but also for the sake of emissions, and how it can help buildings cope and change with our warming, shifting global climate. I asked Craig how big data can help buildings handle weather extremes they weren't built for, like the heat waves across Europe and the UK in the last few years. Say a building we work with in Seattle, Washington. Good choice. That's where I'm from. (laughs) Well, let's be more specific. Let's say Kirkland. (laughs) Yes, there we go. (laughs) Okay. So let's say we work with a bunch of buildings in Kirkland. It's not normally very hot in Kirkland, but sometimes it can be, but it's fair to say the focus and expertise of the building people operating the buildings in Kirkland is mostly around cool conditions, cool and damp conditions, compared to, let's say, a building in Brisbane or Melbourne. And then let's say well, we work with buildings in, in the UK, in Ireland as well, same sort of story. And you said a heat wave in, in London. A heat wave in London might be ordinary conditions in Sydney. And so when we find the similarities and differences between buildings, the potential of that building might be better reflected in what is normal buildings in other parts of the world that just happen to be more evolved for those unusual conditions. And so a building in Sydney, let's say, that doesn't get so cold so often, when it does, the potential might be identified from relationships between that building and buildings in in Kirkland or San Francisco or or Dublin. Yes, you, you get this notion of think global but act local. Ideas and insights kind of cross-pollinating between places because real estate, for better or worse, has always been a very local-focused industry. But best practices for HVAC and energy management, they're not local. So big data can really help buildings learn quicker and adapt better to a changing climate, keeping the humans inside more comfortable while using less power. Big Data is doing some pretty remarkable things. Finding faults is faster. Technicians spend more time fixing and improving, less time hunting for potential issues, and running tedious maintenance schedules. Building managers are empowered to make improvements, to try and test new ideas. Best practice from across the world can be shared as it's developed. 
and portfolios of buildings across whole global regions can be monitored and benchmarked and run more efficiently, more easily. But going back to our cautionary tale, are we at risk of overestimating the cases of flu? Are we relying on this data, which at the end of the day come from sensors, not human observation, too much? Are we, in HVAC and other building services, at risk of big data hubris? There are certain things that we cannot remove through big data. Right. So commissioning, you still need to be on site, locally commission things, point to point commission your sensors, make sure everything is correct, because our analysis is only as good as the data we're receiving. If nothing's been commissioned locally on site and the sensors are, are giving us bad data, then our analysis is only going to be poor as well. Luckily, we'll always need, at least for the foreseeable future, and never say never when technology's involved, humans involved in this process of commissioning a building. So it seems like, until the robot apocalypse, big data has well and truly arrived in the built environment and is serving us well, and even improving us humans and our impact on our world. Thank you for listening to the second episode of Era on Air. As a new show, we'd greatly appreciate if you could tell a friend and help us get the word out. We'll be back after the holiday period for another episode about the hidden industries that shape our built world. And just before we go, here's a little bonus about ERA's special technical group, without which we wouldn't have had a lot of the information we used in today's show. So finally, Chris, to talk to you about the STG, I understand that ERA's kind of got this in-house special forces SWAT team of, uh, of high-level industry professionals talking about what's coming ahead in the industry. Can you tell me a bit about what the STG is and, and how long you've been a member of this? And maybe have a bit of a laugh at my description. Yeah, no, it's good, very accurate. Um, SWAT, particularly the SWAT team reference. Um, <laughs> now, the uh, the STG has been around for over 12 months now, and it was started basically because big data was becoming a bit of a buzzword and there were a lot of references thrown around, but no one had really sat down and tried to crystallise what it meant in the HVAC or the ERA context. We have a set of deliverables that we've committed to, an example of which was this Equilibrium article, subject of this podcast. Also undertaken two different conference uh, presentations, drawing up a best practice guide. So there's a bunch of things that we're working on that will hopefully aid clarity to what big data actually is, how it can be used, but also help educate end, end users or clients, uh, people who own buildings, on what big data actually is and what are the types of things you should look for when, you, when you're looking at um, getting into the world of big data. So we think we've done a, a reasonable job so far in actually delivering practical outcomes as a result of the committee, and that's what we hope to do over the next uh, 12 months. Mm-hmm.